All right, y'all agree with me. So, Lord, we thank you tonight as we pray. We come before you in the name of Jesus and through his blood. We bless you. And, Lord, I pray tonight that as we get into this word, that you would anoint me and speak through me under strong anointing and the glory, and that this will be living seeds of truth that are sown out in a good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives, watered by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains, Lord. We ask you that this word will go out and that there will be a washing of the water of the word, that there'll be like a light shining of truth that will dispel all darkness and lies and deception of the enemy and bring life and bring revelation and deep cleansing, again, the washing of the water of the word. But Lord, let these living seeds be sown in the good fertile soil. And even now, whoever's hearing this, even those that are here recording, that the Holy Spirit help us just to get locked in and focused, to, to be able to get our minds focused. He'll anoint the Holy Spirit, anoint our minds and our hearts to be in tune and on our eyes and ears to be able to see and hear and perceive what is being spoken, to really get everything out of this and not be distracted. The Holy Spirit to help us to get focused and really have a revelation, to be able to understand and to be able to have retention. And Lord, we commit this unto you and we bind up. The Bible says that the birds try to steal the seed and that's the enemy. Lord, we agree together in the name of Jesus that we bind anything of the enemy that's trying to distract or hinder this service or this word in any way. We bind it in the name of Jesus and that your Holy Spirit, Lord, brood over it and just make sure, just watch over this word and the winds of the Spirit will carry it everywhere it's supposed to go. Your mighty angels will watch over it and make sure it's going to get where it's supposed to and do what it's supposed to do because the Bible says the word will not return void but it will accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. So we stand on that. We pray over this word. We thank you for it now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I always like to pray over it because there's people that hear this all over the world and through the internet. I mean, even the Middle East, Africa, you name it. And I want to make sure that we really cover these things in prayer. All right, so tonight, man, last week was an amazing, amazing service. And we dealt, we had the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Teruah, we dealt with what that means. And man, after that service, I really felt different. I felt like God had done something deep in me. And I believe this week is also going to be really significant. Already there's a strong presence here of the Lord. But as we deal with this, we're dealing with Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. And this is Yom Kippur today that I'm, I'm preaching this. And... The fall feast, as we know, without getting back into this and being real redundant, I'm not going to do that, but just let me say it in passing, that we know the Feast of Trumpets speaks of the rapture of Christ's bride, the remnant bride, the bride that's made herself ready, okay? Then, after that, is going to be what we call the seven-year tribulation. But in actual fact, really a better name is the Days of Jacob's Trouble. It's also what's called the 70th week of Daniel. I don't want to get anybody confused, but those are all different names for what we know as that seven-year period. And it will be seven years. The Bible gives the precise days that it will be. It's a seven-year period. And that seven-year period is going to be a time of unprecedented um, wrath of God coming on the world uh, the world is going to experience things that Jesus said would be so bad that in, unless those days were cut short, no flesh would survive. So it's going to be a, a terrible time. And as the seven years progress, it will get progressively worse. And um, anyway, that's prophetically, Yom Kippur speaks of that time. And then the Feast of Tabernacles uh, called Sukkot, that is speaking prophetically of when Jesus comes back to Israel to reign on the throne of David, to reign over the world. And it's going to be a thousand-year reign of Christ. So let me say that again. The fall feasts are prophetic of end-time prophecy. You have the rapture, then you have the tribulation, then you have the second advent where Christ comes to reign for a thousand years. And that's what it speaks of. And so tonight I'm dealing with Yom Kippur. And this, you know, as I mentioned earlier in the service, just to get some of this on the recording, you know, Christ obviously fulfilled this. And it's really sad. 
because you know I just saw so many in Israel that that are coming together as as Jews that are unbelieving okay they, they don't believe in Christ as the Messiah and they're coming together to to pray what's called slichot prayers where they're 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 fasting and they're all going to pray and seek God and God's going to forgive them um, I say this with great love and compassion but there is no forgiveness of sins outside of the blood of Jesus Christ period it doesn't matter how you want to go about it you're not going to achieve forgiveness without the sacrifice of the cross so to say it bluntly they're not forgiven and it grieves me because I know that many of them are really sincere about their pursuit of the Most High but if they're not going to come through Christ they're not going to find him so uh, there I have mixed feelings about that but as far as Christians are concerned the Messianic and and those of us here that you know Jew or Gentile together in Christ Yom Kippur is fulfilled Christ ripped the veil and and we have access into the glory we have access into forgiveness of sins and I do believe that there's something about these feast days that are significant and around Yom Kippur it does seem like there's a special grace for God to to help clear away things that have hindered people um, how many people have had because I, I know I have too in my early walk have had things that they struggled with and you prayed about it and it's stubborn well there's I believe there's something about these times where if you'll, you'll pray and fast and really seek God God can begin to pull this stuff out and set you free it didn't have to happen at these times I'm not saying that but I'm saying there seems to be a special grace for breakthrough at these times and so people will make use of it and seek God I believe that there is something powerful there all right um, yeah let's go through the coming wars with Israel how many of you guys have heard of the Gog Magog war it's coming all right I'm gonna deal with that but I'm gonna deal with some other things as well for this to make sense I had to give you guys some maps or you're not gonna understand now those are live streaming it's on the website there's map there's the PDF you can download those that may be hearing this um, if you're hearing it through sermon.net or something there's always PDFs attached there will be some maps you're gonna to need to look at those for this to make sense tonight all right so I'm gonna read a couple scriptures and then I'm gonna go with you through these maps and explain some things but at the top of page one you'll see the displacement in Canaan I'll talk about that in a moment but when Noah when the flood happened and Noah the boat descended down on Mount Ararat okay and his sons Shem Ham and Japheth were with him there were eight people in total there was Noah his wife his three sons and their wives well Noah they began to go out and populate and so Ham and his descendants which I'm gonna get into this in a moment okay but they went down to the southern part um, Shem was more Middle Eastern and then Japheth was more northern like Europe and Russia area which I'll get into that in a moment but um, that's kind of where a lot of this is going to make more sense if you understand that so let me read you these three scriptures uh, Genesis 2 or 10 verse 2 the sons of Japheth so you have Shem Ham and Japheth you have three different sons the sons of Japheth were Gomer Magog Mediah Javan Tubal Meshach and Tiras so these were the descendants and here in a moment if you look on the map and we will you'll see that they were all up in like Eastern Europe across Russia that area predominantly not everything and also Turkey that area okay now look at this in Amos 7 1 in the Septuagint version this is really interesting thus says the Lord God showed me thus says the Lord God showed me and behold a swarm of locusts coming from the east and behold one caterpillar King Gog and it came to pass which he had finished devouring the grass of the land I said Lord God be merciful who shall raise up Jacob for his small in number repent O Lord for this and this shall not be and the Lord said this shall not be so Amos was crying out but I want you to notice an interesting thing about Gog and Magog so you see in Genesis a reference to Magog 
Then you see in Amos a reference to Gog. And now look in Revelation 27 through 8. When the thousand years were completed, this is after the thousand year reign of Christ. Okay? After that, Satan will be released from his prison. And this is not just talking about Satan by himself, but I believe also his forces for a time. And they will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. Look at this, Gog and Magog. To gather them together for war. The number of them is like the sand on the seashore. This is after the thousand year reign of Christ. And you have again a reference to Gog and Magog. Isn't that interesting? And of course we know that they, they tried to rush upon Jerusalem to dethrone Jesus and to take over whatever and fire comes down from heaven and fries every one of them and they go straight to hell where they belong but after the thousand year reign of Christ there's going to be a time if y'all can follow this for a moment let me give you a quick timeline and, and then we'll move on all this will make sense by the end of the sermon okay but right now we're living in what the Bible calls the latter days or the end times. And you're seeing end time prophecy. Those have eyes to see and ears to hear. Not everybody does. Some people are just mockers and blasphemers and they don't get it. But there are signs in the heavens, the sun, moon, and stars. There are signs on the earth. You're seeing everything the Bible said you would see. And this is preceding um, the rapture of the remnant bride that's about to happen. I believe it's near. You're seeing what the Bible said. There's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all flesh. There's going to be an end time harvest and a bride made ready. All of that's happening right now in our day. Once the rapture happens and we're at the marriage supper, then the earth is going to enter into a time known as the tribulation. And so you have at that time, there's going to be a false prophet and there's going to be a unification of religions of some, some sort. And that's going to make a way for the antichrist he's going to rise to power he's going to be a political figure and there's going to be a peace treaty that he makes with israel for seven years and once he does that israel is going to enter into a time known as jacob's trouble or a seven-year tribulation time and the first three and a half years it's going to seem okay to israel it's going to seem good but the antichrist because of his system he's going to the false prophet is going to enforce this somehow that there's going to be a mark that people are going to take to buy and sell well any remaining christians are going to know what's going on and they're going to be really resisting that and telling other people to resist it and they're going to be killed and so there's going to be the first three and a half years are going to be a great slaughtering of christians and the 144,000 that are going to be jewish christians that get saved and spread the gospel they're going to be killed too so that's going to be the first three and a half years is going to be a real martyrdom that's going on of Christians. And this is going to be the time of the wrath of the Lamb where you read about the trumpet judgments coming down. My personal opinion is the sealed judgments will happen before the actual tribulation. That's just my opinion. But during the trumpet judgments, it's going to be at that time. Okay, at the midpoint... In the middle of the tribulation time, the Antichrist is going to set himself up in the temple. And he's going to declare himself to be God. And he's going to set up an image like an idol that's going to be able to speak. The Bible says that. Most likely, it will be kind of like the way the Catholic Church has idols that can cry and bleed and all these weird things. And It's probably going to be something like that, very supernatural thing. But he, the Antichrist is going to set himself up in the temple there's going to be a rebuilt temple that's ha that's going to happen i believe soon okay you guys notice all the unrest about jerusalem and the temple mound okay that's what's next on the agenda but anyway there's going to be a temple and the antichrist is going to be there anyway he's going to declare himself to be god demand everybody worship him doesn't it remind you of the story of nebuchadnezzar and doesn't it doesn't know history no um antiochus epiphanes and, and others down through the centuries that have done this. So we know 
that the Orthodox and Hasidic and other Jews are going to be extremely offended at that. That's going to be very offensive. That's offensive to all of us, but it's, it's going to be offensive in Israel, in the temple, for that to happen. So the Jews that are alive, that obviously at this po- up to this point have rejected the Messiah, they're in the tribulation time. And anyway, they're going to begin to revolt against that. They're going to be shouting. There's going to be riots. They're going to be very upset. So the Antichrist is going to release his military forces against the Jews. So the first three and a half years was the slaughtering of Christians. The second three and a half years is going to be the slaughtering of Jews. Hitler killed one in three. The Antichrist will kill two in three. He's going to kill two-thirds of the Jews, and it says that in the Bible. The one-third that will survive, there is going to be a supernatural protection. But anyway, they're going to flee. Probably, most scholars believe, and I agree with this probably, to a place called Petra, which is a rock formation that will protect them for a time. And the Antichrist, I mean, when this is going on, there's going to be two witnesses. I personally believe they'll be in the second three and a half years. There's going to be two witnesses that are proclaiming the gospel. But they're going to be supernaturally protected. The Antichrist wants to kill them. The people of the earth want to kill them. You know why everybody wants to kill them? I believe after studying this in depth that the bold judgments that are coming down like water to blood and, and hailstones the size of basketballs, things like that, they're going to be blaming the prophets because the prophets are saying you keep rejecting Christ, you keep rejecting the word, you won't repent, so therefore God's going to do this, and then it happens. And so they're going to be blaming them instead of repenting. But God's going to protect them until it's their time to die. The Jews are going to run. Those that are alive and remain are going to flee to Petra. But at the end of that seven-year period, all the nations, I'm going to come back to this later in the sermon, but all the nations, everybody say all the nations, are going to send their military forces to the Middle East to come up against Israel. Not some, the Bible says all nations. But you have to understand, at this point in time, all these people have accepted the mark of the beast, they're worshiping the Antichrist, The Bible says these words. They worship the dragon. Who's the dragon? Satan. They're Satan worshipers. So it's not really hard to believe that that they're going to come down here at the will of the devil and ultimately the will of God in in prophecy, but to come down and try to destroy Israel. All right, so the military forces are going to come. They're going to try to destroy Israel. And when it looks like you know obviously two-thirds have been killed of the Jews the others are in hiding the forces of the military forces of the world it looks hopeless beyond hope I mean it's just really bad at that point in time Jesus Christ is going to split the eastern sky and he's going to come riding down and those that were at the marriage supper those that were with him are going to come with him they're going to come riding down and Jesus is going to slaughter and massacre all of those military forces that were set up against Israel. And he's going to come in and he's going to get off his white horse and put his feet on the Mount of Olives. And when his feet touched the Mount of Olives, see the first, ke- the first coming was a catching away in the air. He never touched the ground. But this time when he comes, it's not a thief in the night. Now all eyes see him. And his feet are going to touch the ground. When they do, the Bible says the Mount of Olives is going to crack and split in two. And he's going to come down the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. There's an eastern gate in Jerusalem that is sealed right now. It's sealed. You can't go through it. It's like cemented up. Jesus is going to go right through that gate and open it up. It may be open before it comes if they do some renovation. But right now it's closed. But he's going to come through that eastern gate. He's going to set himself up in the temple. And he's going to rule and reign from the throne of David for 1,000 years over the earth. He's going to gather sheep and goat nations. What that means is goat nations were evil, wicked nations that hated Israel and wanted their destruction. 
And those nations are going to be thrown into hell. I think about nations right now, like Iran, you know. But anyway, you have to understand, by the time the sheep and goat nations are separated here, there's already been a slaughtering of all the Christians, and there's already been a, a killing of two-thirds of the Jews. Those that are being assembled to Jesus here are not good people. But he's going to take the goat nations and throw them into hell, and he's going to allow the sheep nations to survive. And for 1,000 years, think about how long this is. America is only 241 years since our independence, 1776. Only a couple hundred years. This is going to be 1,000 years. The curse that came on the earth from Adam is going to lift. And so you're going to have like the lion eating straw instead of eating other animals. You're going to have children able to play with cobras. It's not going to be dangerous. You're going to have the wolf laying down with the lamb. The curse is lifted. And the Bible talks about, you know, weapons will be beat into plowshares and all that. So it's going to be a time of peace. But those of us that have glorified bodies and have been with the Lord, he's going to place them by the way they live their life on the earth is going to determine a lot of this, okay? But he's going to place them in positions of authority around the world. Some of them will be in Jerusalem with him to do things around the temple, etc. But, but others are going to be put as presidents and rulers and governors, etc. around the world. And it's going to be a rule that is from Jesus Christ down to his ambassadors around the world. It's not going to be a democracy. It's going to be what Jesus says goes. Okay. It's the way it should be now in the church. Save everybody voting on everything. That's another sermon for another day. So Jesus is going to rule with a rod of iron. But what you've got to understand is, even though those of us with glorified bodies that have already been through all this and we're with him, there's going to be a lot of people. Everybody say a lot of people. Over a thousand year period that are born. And because the curse is lifted off the earth, people are going to be living a long time. How many of you guys ever read in Genesis about people living seven, eight hundred years? Okay, this is what we're talking about. But what you have to understand is, is that everybody likes the guy that always tells them what they want to hear. Everybody always likes the guy that's just going to go along with whatever they want. But there's going to be a lot of people, apparently, according to what I read right here, the number of them is like the sand of the seashore. There's going to be a lot of people that at the end of the day have a lot of disgruntled attitudes towards Jesus. They don't like the way he runs things. It sounds like a lot of churches out there. But anyway, it's you know, the pastors and things they have to put up with. Amen, I just tell you. But they don't, they don't like the way he runs things. They don't like um, the fact that he says, know about this and it's going to be this way or whatever. But when the thousand years is up, all these people that have been on the earth for that thousand years, many of them were born during Christ's rule and they've never known anything else. Isn't it just like sinful human nature to not appreciate what you have? Those of us that are going to have glorified bodies and be it during that time that we're going to be like, man, this is, this is great. Because you know, we remember, but they don't. They don't. And there, many of them, see, you understand, those that are sheep nations that are now populating, they still have sinful natures. They still have a fallen nature. So they still have a tendency toward pride and rebellion and things like that. And so Jesus is going to be ruling the earth. The curse is lifted. There's peace. And there's a lot of wonderful aspects to this. But you still have the sheep nations that, that still have that sin nature and are not perfect. The devil and his kingdom are bound, but you still have the sin nature in people. And so at the end of the thousand years, Jesus is going to allow the devil and his forces to be, you know, released for a time. 
and they're going to go through and it's going to be a final sifting and all the people that were disgruntled with the Lord and don't like him for whatever reason they're all going to gather together under Satan's leadership and I mean when I say Satan I mean probably his forces too and they're going to try to march against Jesus in you know Jerusalem fire is going to come down and fry him and that's going to be a final cleansing of the earth now here's what's going to happen after that this is really interesting the Bible says that there's going to be a great white throne judgment now and these are all the heathen that were down in hell and they're going to be brought up one by one before the great white throne judgment and the Lord is going to sit in judgment over them and tell them the books will be open you were preached the gospel in 1975 you mocked the person you rejected me you lived in sin this is why you're in hell for eternity each and every person are going to go through this great white throne at the end of it hell as we know it will no longer be there it's all just going to be a lake of fire now and everything is thrown in it including the devil amen praise god right he's going to be bobbing around in the in the lake of fire forever and so the devil and all his fallen angels all of all the demons everything's going to be in this lake of fire with the unrepentant people but here's the interesting thing during christ's rule the curse was lifted and the earth was the way i described it but now at the end of the thousand years there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth the bible says peter talked about this the earth and the heavens are going to be purged with some kind of a fire and there's going to be a new earth a new heaven and then the new jerusalem is going to come down from heaven a city that's going to come down and sit on the earth and God the Father is going to be in that city and so the dwelling of God will be with man and man with God forever on the earth and that of course will be the fullness of all things but leading up to that time I want to show you something if you'll look at the maps for a second now I'm going to try to now move pretty quick if you look at the top map after Noah descended on Mount Ararat in the ark his three sons Japheth Shem and Ham had wives and they moved out and they began to populate predominantly Japheth populated what we know as Europe and Asia but listen here's the interesting thing his children were named Gomer and that Meshach and Magog and Tubal remember that look at where they are they're in Eastern Europe they're in Russia and they're down in Turkey area predominantly see what happens is you people say well why did God call it the Gog Magog war why didn't he use more modern terms especially in the day of Ezekiel well this was the original layout and the original names that it was given we're the ones that keep changing the names okay so whenever you read about the Gog Magog war and it refers and these maps will help you it refers to Magog and it refers to Gomer and it refers to Tubal and others it's talking about this original layout okay and if you look at the bottom map that's kind of a more of a white color there it's more specific even though it's small and I apologize I had to fit it on there but you can see on Europe you can see Gomer and Magog and all that and it gives you on the left it, it shows you like the purple is the descendants of Shem and then that that brownish color is Ham and then Japheth see Ham was in the southern area where you get Egypt and Africa Shem was predominantly Middle Eastern and that's where Abraham comes from is from the line of Shem okay all right so now go back with me up in the notes and we're going to go through this together there's going to be probably three wars that are the most significant 
that are going to take place regarding Israel. There could be more, and we're not even positive about Psalm 83. But just like I showed you these maps to help it make sense in your mind, Ham moved down south, and he his descendants became Egypt and Africa in that area, and Canaan. So follow me for a minute here. Egypt and Canaan were the world powers of their time. Egypt was like the most wealthiest by the Nile, but Canaan was very powerful. These were the areas where extreme sin was taking place in the eyes of God. And there had to be a very powerful principality that ruled over this part of the world is this making sense you're dealing with egypt you're dealing with canaan in canaan without getting too deep into this human sacrifice was a regular occurrence in canaan there were nephilim in the land so i mean you're dealing with fallen angels procreating with humans it's very perverse in canaan what we would call satanism and witchcraft and the occult was rampant look at egypt Look at all that was going on there with the sorcerers. So this part of the world, there was a lot of occult activity. There was a lot of sexual immorality. There was a lot of shedding of innocent blood. And because of that, you know as well as I do, there was a powerful, strong man, like a principality, a very high-ranking principality that ruled that part of the world. But when God began to show up, just follow me for a minute. It's going to make sense. When God began to show up, he gave now Passover right in the middle of Egypt. And he began to send those plagues on Egypt that totally crippled their economy. It destroyed their livestock. It destroyed their crops. All their firstborn died. It, it was a horrible, those plagues, I mean, really crippled Egypt. The Nile, all that was turned to blood. So their fishing industry, all that was gone. God really broke the power of Egypt in doing that. And those of us that have had a Passover Seder, you know that it's revealed in there that those plagues were directly going against the demon gods of Egypt that were worshipped. And then we read years later now, Moses uh, it passes the mantle to Joshua. Joshua is leading the children of God into Canaan. Seven major nations that were full of all these abominations. So God crippled Egypt, and now the people of God are going into Canaan, and they're beginning to pull down all of their idols. They're beginning to pull down and destroy their temples. They're beginning to, to slaughter those that were there in the land. And they're, they're literally, um, some of the, the Nephilim were killed. Others probably fled the area. And the nations before them were annihilated, pretty much. And the children of Israel went in and occupied that land. So I want you to think for a moment that the ruling principality over that part of the world was being totally, completely crippled by what God was doing. And I personally suspect that that ruling principality might be what we call here as Gog, G-O-G. And this will make sense in a moment. Once the power was broken, once Israel occupied Canaan, it was now changed from Canaan to the land of Israel. Now the tabernacle moved into Shiloh, later to that the temple was built in Jerusalem. Now all that evil was eradicated and the people of God moved in. That principality's power was broken. I'm just thinking out loud and I suspect that that principality that probably was See, there's an order. Just like in God's kingdom, there's archangels. You follow me? There's archangels. There's those that are higher ranked than others. Probably the principality that was over this part of the world was the highest ranking of principalities. 
probably this would be something like Gog here. It was a ruling prince over that part of the world, but his power was broken by what God was doing. I suspect that after his power was broken and he had to pack up his bags, he had to find somewhere else, I suspect that he moved northward. This being that we call Gog, G-O-G in the Bible, is not a physical location. It is a ruling spirit. It is a, a principality. It is a fallen angel. I suspect that it is probably a principality that rules even over other principalities. It is like an arc principality. It is like a high ranking, if you will. And he, his power was broken. This is just something I suspect. But his power was broken in Canaan and Egypt. And he had to move north. And he ended up moving into the region that we call today Eastern Europe. Into Russia and Turkey. Into that part of the world is where he began to set up his throne. There's probably going to be three major wars, but there could be other skirmishes. But I'm talking about three biblical ones. If Psalm 83, if, scholars debate this, but if Psalm 83 is to happen, it's going to be a regional conflict. I want you to go back to the maps. Let me show you. Look in the middle. This may be what we're looking at as the next big event. It's possible. Different Bible scholars believe that Psalm 83 is a prophecy of a war that has never happened and will happen. And they suspect that it will probably be connected to um, Israel expanding their borders and rebuilding their temple. It could be. But if Psalm 83 is coming, I want you to look at the map there where it says Psalm 83 Confederacy. It is a con conflict all around Israel. In the southern area, you have down in, in Egypt and in northern Africa, you've got a, a lot of Muslims. You have the PLO, you have the Palestinians, and what is called by them the West Bank. We call it Judea and Samaria. You have up in the Jordan area, you've got Syria, You've got in the north, you've got Hezbollah and in Lebanon. In that area there that says Hamas, that's the Gaza Strip, that is where the ancient Philistines actually lived at one time. And that Hamas group is directly funded and controlled by Iran. But Israel is totally surrounded by enemies. You see that? And to the back of them is the Mediterranean Sea, where Tel Aviv is. And you know, all around them, they're surrounded by enemies. And the, this right here is a perfect description of the Psalm 83 conflict. If this war is to come in the future, it will probably be the next war, the next big war that will happen. And when Israel wins it, because Psalm 83 makes it clear that they will, and that the IDF will fight this war. Now that's important. This war, Psalm 83, if it happens, will be won by the Israeli military. And when they do, like every other time, you're going to see probably an annexing of more land. And then most likely they will be able to rebuild their temple in peace. So that's Psalm 83. Now here's a different war the Bible prophesies. I'm going to read it to you here in a moment. The Gog and Magog War. Gog is a ruling prince. And look to the right of that. You see the Psalm 83. Look to the right of it. And you'll see a map that displays the confederacy of this Gog War. Look, they come from all over. See, Psalm 83 describes the nations around Israel. But the Gog War describes nations that are up in Russia in Iran, which is Persia, Eastern Europe and Turkey, and down into what would be 
northern Africa. There is a coalition one day that will come together. It will coalesce together to come against Israel. And I'm going to read the passage to you. How many like to go through that tonight? I'm going to read the passage. In this war, God Almighty is going to come down and fight for Israel in a supernatural way. He's going to send meteorites down upon them. It says it in the Bible. God's going to supernaturally win this war for Israel and show off. So probably what we're looking at, and then let me give you the quick, the very end. And the last big war is going to be at the end of the tribulation, and it's called Armageddon. And the Bible says all nations will come down. Now look at the progress here. First, Psalm 83, you see nations around them. Then Satan ups it. He calls on his ruling principality Gog. And Gog begins to coalesce a group to come together from various nations now. So it goes from being just a few nations around Israel now to being several nations coming down against Israel. And then, in the very end, all nations. Is this, you see the progress here? This is the battle. Why is Satan so bent on destroying Israel? Because he knows Bible prophecy that the Messiah, Yeshua, the son of David, is going to come and he's going to rule for a thousand years from Israel. And he's going to bind the devil and throw him into hell. That's why Satan wants to destroy Israel so bad. Because he knows that that's coming. So as I read this, I'm going to close by just reading Ezekiel 38 and 39 with you. Is that okay? Hopefully these maps help you make sense of it. But you're looking in the days to come. You're looking in the days to come. There's most likely a war with Israel coming. We don't know that for sure. We speculate. But when you see the pattern, we had the blood moons. You know, there's just a pattern there that Israel has had to go to war. But on the other side of war, prophecy was being fulfilled. They became a nation in 48 in times of war. They took Jerusalem in 67 in times of war. And I believe they're going to take the Temple Mount and rebuild their temple probably in times of war. In which will probably be the Psalm 83 war, but we'll see. All right, so let's read through this. If you want to go through Ezekiel 38 and 39 with me, I don't have it in your notes, but if you have a Bible, you can follow along. If not, you can just listen. I'm going to read it directly doing the, using the New American Standard Version here. Ezekiel was of the priestly or the Levitical line. Okay, he was, a, he was somebody that was a, a Levite, but he also lived as a prophet in the land of Babylon. He was alive during the time that you read about the 70 years that they were in Babylon. So, you know, Daniel, Shabbat, Meshach, and Abednego, all of that. He was a prophet that lived during that time. And he prophesied about the Gog-Magog war. He prophesied about the thousand-year reign of Christ and the millennial temple that will be there. He was an amazing man. He really was. You read the book of Ezekiel. So let me just read this to you. We're going to read about the Gog-Magog war. Psalm or um, Ezekiel 38:39. And the word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel, saying, "Son of man, set your face toward Gog, the land of Magog." So he's in Babylon. So he turns now as a prophet toward the north, facing toward Russia. Now who's Gog? A ruling prince over that region maybe used to dwell over Egypt and Canaan that had to migrate north. The land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal, and prophesy against him, saying, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal. I will turn you about and put hooks in your jaws, and I will bring you out. And all your army, your horses, your horsemen, all of them, splendidly attired, a great company, with buckler and shield, all of them wielding swords, Persia, Iran, Ethiopia. So you're dealing with the southern Egypt, northern African area there. 
put with them. And all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer, you're dealing with Eastern Europe. Did you know Eastern Europe is still very anti-Semitic? Very, very anti-Semitic. Beth Togarma. Togarma is probably Turkey. And from the remotest parts of the north with all of its ships, many peoples with you. So he lists the coalition and I've given you a map to show it to you. Be prepared and prepare yourself, you and all your companies that are assembled about you, and be on guard for them. After many days, you will be summoned in the latter years. Man, that, that just sends chills down me every time I read this. Ezekiel, who lived in the days of Nebuchadnezzar, in that time frame, okay, is saying in the latter years, in the last days, I will do this, says the Lord. And he's spot on. You're seeing in your generation you're seeing Russia and Iran begin to get along. In the latter years, you will come into the land that is restored from the sword, whose inhabitants have been gathered from many nations to the mountains of Israel. You're living in the generation where you're seeing with your eyes the Jews being regathered from many nations to the mountains of Israel. This should be shaking y'all up a little bit. I'm not sure it is, man. Holy Spirit, shake this place. This is, to me, this is amazing that somebody lived that long ago and saw this with such accuracy. The land that had been in a continual waste, but its people were brought out from the nations, and they are living security in security, all of them. You will go up, you like a storm, and you will be like a cloud covering the land, you and all the troops and many peoples with you. Thus says the Lord God, it will come about on that day that thoughts will come into your mind and you will devise an evil plan. It's so important that we're careful what thoughts we entertain. Because the rulers, people wonder, how can people be so wicked? How can rulers be so wicked? How could a Stalin kill so many people? By the way, Stalin was in the land that would be under the rulership of Gog. But how could these people do such evil things? How could somebody divide? Because there's a principality behind the scenes that's putting the thoughts in the leaders. And they're going along with it. You will say, because this Gog is putting it in the mind, you never know. We may be close enough to this that it very well could be Putin. You never know. You're going to put it in their mind. And they're going to say, I will go up against the land of Israel of unwalled villages i will go against those who are at rest who live in security all of them living without walls and having no bars or gates to capture spoil and to seize plunder to turn your hand against the waste places which are now inhabited and against the people who are gathered from the nations who have acquired cattle and goods who live in the center of the world to god this is jerusalem is the center of the world Sheba and Dedan and merchants of Tarshish and all of its villages will say, have you come to capture spoils? So let me just explain this real quick. All right. God is saying here that this coalition, the Gog War is going to come down, but they're going to come against Israel who's living without walls and insecurity. So right now, Israel has walls. I mean, literal, physical walls. And they're not living in security, really. So a lot of people think that there's going to be a war like the Psalm 83 war first that will cause them to be able to expand their land and live without walls insecurity. Okay? That's what many people believe. I think there's probably some truth to this. But Israel, it's interesting that these people begin to think a thought in their mind. The, the Russian leader of that time, the Iranian Ayatollah of that time, these leaders of nations are going to begin to think a thought that we want to gather together and go down against Israel and plunder their goods. Has anybody looked at a map lately? Their nations are big. Israel is a speck. And you're thinking to yourself, why is Israel such a focal point of all this hatred? Why do all these people want to come in and plunder them and destroy them? It's satanic. It doesn't make sense unless you understand it's satanic. Therefore, verse 14, prophesy, son of man, and say to Gog, that ruling prince. Thus says the Lord God, on that day when my people Israel are living securely, will you not know of it? 
You will come from your place out of the remote parts of the north with many peoples with you, riding on horses, a great assembly and a mighty army. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. And it shall come about in the last days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am sanctified through you before their eyes, O Gog. Thus says the Lord, Are you the one of whom I spoke in former days through my servants the prophets, who prophesied in those days many years that I would bring you against them? It will come about on that day when Gog comes against the land of Israel, declares the Lord God, that my fury will mount up in my anger. In my zeal and in my blazing wrath, I never want to be on the receiving end of God's blazing wrath. I will declare that on that day there will surely be a great earthquake in the land. God is going to shake the land, literally. The fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the field, all the creeping things that creep on the earth, and all men who are on the face of the earth will shake at my presence. The mountains also will be thrown down. Steep, path, steep pathways will collapse. Every wall will fall to the ground. I will call for a sword against him on my holy mountain. God himself is going to call for a sword, and it's probably going to be Michael. Declares the Lord God, every man's sword will be against his brother. You remember reading in the Bible where God would release so much confusion that the enemy would begin to kill each other? I speculate that's what he's saying here. I will call for a sword. God is saying, I'm going to, here's what God's saying. Gog, you great prince of Satan, you're going to come against my people, but I'm going to shake this place with my power. I'm going to rise up in my anger and I'm going to send my sword against you. And I believe every man's sword against his brother is God confusing the enemy and they're going to begin to shoot each other. Verse 22, with pestilence and with blood, I will enter into judgment with him. I will reign on him and on his troops and on many peoples who are with him a torrential rain of hailstones, fire and brimstone. That's happened before in Joshua's day. God sent hailstones and struck them. So what's going to happen is, is God in his anger is going to cause all these meteorites to begin to come pummeling down on these people and kill them. Verse 23, I will magnify myself, sanctify myself, and make myself known in the sight of many nations, and they will know that I am the Lord. God's going to be glorified. I believe because of the extent of this victory and how it happened that there's going to be many people that, have, that were Muslims, etc., that are going to say to themselves, the God of Israel is the real God. There's no way that happened except that God did that. And you know, son of man, verse, or chapter 39, prophesy against Gog and say, thus says the Lord God, behold, I'm against you, O Gog, Prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around and drive you take you up from the remote parts of the north and bring you against the mountains of Israel and strike your bow from your left hand and dash down your arrows from your right hand. God's going to cause their weapons to fall out of their hands. I can just see troops running. All of a sudden things drop. They get confused and start fighting each other. Hellstones start coming down. I mean, it's going to be a sight to behold. I will strike them. He says, you will fall on the mountains of Israel you and all your troops and the people who are with you, I will give you as food to every kind of predatory bird and beast of the field. You will fall in an open field, for it is I who have spoken, says the Lord. I will send fire upon Magog. There is going to be something come down on Russia. I'm talking about back home. Whether it's some kind of a asteroid meteor or some kind of striking that's going to hit Russia because they're probably the ones behind this. Again, where is the territory of Magog? Russia. For I have spoken, declares the Lord, I will send fire upon Magog and those who inhabit the coastlands in safety and they will know that I am the Lord. My holy name I will make known in the midst of my people Israel. I will not let my holy name be profaned anymore. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. 
behold it is coming it shall be done declares the lord that in that day which i have spoken then those who inhabit the cities of israel will go out and they will make fire with the weapons and burn them both shield and bucklers bows and arrows wars and clubs and spears for seven years they will make fire with them they will not take wood from the field or gather firewood from the forest for they will make fires with the weapons they will take the spoil of those who despoiled them and seize the plunder of those who plundered them declares the lord in other words god's saying i'm gonna flip it around in their favor <coughs> on that day i will give gog a burial ground there in israel so in other words that principality's forces are going to be killed and all those who pass by the east of the sea and they will block off those who pass by so that they will bury gog there with his horde and will call it the valley of Haman gog for seven months the house of israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land even all the people of the land will bury them and it will be to their renown on that day that i will glorify myself says the lord i will they will set apart men who will constantly pass through the land burying those who are passing through even those left on the surface of the ground in order to cleanse it at the end of the seven months they will make a search and those who pass through the land and through uh, pass through and everyone sees a man's bone and they will set up a marker and bury it in the valley of Hemingog. even the name of the city will be Hamanoah, and they will cleanse the land so it's interesting I wonder if the reason why there's not parameters set up and it takes a long time I wonder if Israel is not going to have a bunch of people with hazmat suits out there trying to make sure that it's safe and they're trying to cleanse it because of contamination from chemical biological or, or maybe even nuclear weapons as for you son of man thus says the Lord speak to every kind of bird and to every beast of the field assemble and come gather from every side to my sacrifice which I'm going to sacrifice for you a great sacrifice on the mountains of Israel that you may eat the flesh and drink the blood you will eat the flesh of mighty men and drink the blood of princes of the earth as though they are rams lambs goats bulls and the fatlings of Bashan you will eat fat until you are glutton and drink blood until you're drunk from the sacrifice which I've sacrificed for you you will be um glutted at my table with horses and charioteers with mighty men and the men of war declares the lord did you know that prophecy buffs that study all this out have said that there's been migratory birds that are predatory birds that have begun to move in over the last several years in the israel normally they would come in and then they would leave but they said that some of these predatory birds are now sticking around and they're beginning to take up residence in Israel and they never were there before and they said it could be a sign of the soon prophecy of the Gog Magog war ha taking place and I will set my glory among the nations all the nations will see my judgments which I've executed in my hand which I've laid on them and the house of Israel will know that I am the Lord their God on that day onward the nations will know the house of Israel went into ex exile for their iniquity because they acted treacherously against me and i hid my face from them so i gave them into the hand of their adversaries all of them fell by the sword according to their uncleanness according to their transgressions i dealt with them see ezekiel was prophesying this back in the days of babylon but he was prophesying the end times he was prophesying that they would be scattered among the nations of the earth after jesus came therefore thus says the lord god now i will restore the fortunes of jacob have mercy on the house of israel i'll be jealous for my holy name why is god doing all this why is god being faithful to that land why is god regathering them and, and restoring things it's not because they're right with him but it's because of his holy name he's going to be faithful to his covenant he's going to be faithful to fulfill his word his name will be glorified in the earth they will forget their disgrace and their treachery and that they perpetrate against me when they live securely in their own land and no one is going to make them afraid when that when that i bring them back from the peoples and gather them from the lands of their enemies i will be sanctified through them in the sight of many nations i really believe this is probably referring when jesus comes back here then they will know that i am the lord their god because i made them go into exile among the nations and then gathered them again into their land and i will leave none of them there any longer i will not hide my face any longer for i will pour out of my spirit on the house of israel so god is going to restore all right 
So, Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We bless you. And, Lord, I ask you to seal this up in people's hearts and help us to remember your word, Lord, that you're a faithful God. And as we look at the end times in front of us and we see things that are happening, we see the, the possibility of a Psalm 83 war with nations around Israel and, and possibly in the days to come, they're going to expand their borders. They're going to be living securely without walls and, and they're going to be able to rebuild the temple, but yet that's going to make way for the Gog War. And God, you yourself are going to fight for them and give them victory and be sanctified among the nations. And then after that, that's probably going to make way for the seven-year tribulation because the Antichrist will come on the scene and Israel will feel they have no friends left and the Antichrist will offer them a peace treaty and they're going to accept it. And then, of course, we know he's going to betray them halfway through it. But, Lord, I thank you for your word. Help us to remember your word. Help us to understand your word and to live out your word. Lord, we love you and we bless you. Seal this time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.